Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Oh, wait, it was me, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow, this is so rare. It's cool. I'm going to bask in this spotlight for a minute. Okay, that's enough. I asked if you could create, uh, if there was a player who had a nickname that you hated, create a new one for them. And um, I sort of cut Cassie off at the end. Yes, it is open-ended to anyone in history. Can I say, like, everybody who's, whose last name ends, or whose nickname is based off their last name and it ends with a, a abbreviated S, I, E, and E, R, and or E, R? <laughs> yeah, but you got to come up with a new one for them. That was the whole point. Create a new nickname for someone whose nickname you hate. But there's too many of them. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. I need to think about this, I guess. I'm just impressed you didn't add EY at the uh, as one of the suffixes for a, mm. a nickname. Because that's, A, I fell in that camp once upon a time. Uh, my vote is for, because I'm kind of lazy this week, uh, Sebastian Ajo. He gets called Seabass. And every Sebastian I've known to have played hockey in real life went by that nickname. And then some coach by the name of... um, I'm not even going to name the jerk who went over to the KHL and got COVID. Um, He started calling Ajo Fishy. Or, excuse me, he was the first publicly to start calling him Seabass, and then everyone started calling him Fishy. He doesn't play for the Saka, I mean the Kraken yet. So the nickname doesn't really work that well. So I've been one to call him the Little Weasel. Why? He played for a, a Finnish league team called Carpot, which happens to translate to Weasel. And when his hair is long enough sticking out the back of the helmet, it looks like that team's logo. Uh, well now, yeah. well now, I like it. it. It's fun, and he kind of plays a little Weasley too. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I I told you to go esoteric, and damn son, damn. Uh, does Cassie need more time? No, I guess not. I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and do something. Someone, somehow, something. Anyway, um, so it annoys me that Brad Marchand is called the Little Ball of Hate because that is Pat Verbeek. And I happen to like the nickname Little Ball of Hate for Pat Verbeek. And I don't think anyone else should have it. So um, I don't know about like... There's got to be a better way to say it, and, and since I'm doing this off the cuff, uh, I don't have that right now. Um, since we have a bunch of little words, I'm going to call him pain in the ass. Because <laughs> a little ball of hate just doesn't suit him. See, I would, I would just call him PETA, the abbreviation for pain in the ass. Mm. 
That works too. PETA, PETA, you know. It's so much better when the nicknames are kind of happy accidents and come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like like my my fallback was Brett Pesci, who really doesn't have a quote-unquote nickname, at least popularized. But he has a terrible flap shot, and his coach, uh, once upon a time, commented, commented and said it was a muffin. So at least in the 300 levels of PNC Arena, he will be forever known as the Muffin Man. Mm. Not as good as Little Weasel. But happy accidents. And PETA just seems like one of those. Yeah, we'll go with it. I like it. Yeah. Um, I am changing Sidney Crosby's. Dear God, somebody has to. <laughs> the, the kid has just never... Come on. You know? Griffey? Uh, that's exactly... Thank you. And, and it worked because he doesn't junior. play with his dad. Right. Well, not just that, but he's not hes not a junior, right? Yeah. So, you know, with, with Ken Griffey Jr., it was either a junior or the kid. So, no, I, um, <clears throat> I'm changing Sydney's to Woodstock. Go on. So, <clears throat> he's a little, you know, he wears yellow and outlined in black. And mm-hmm. he's a little chirpy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he gets a little emotional at times. And even going left field, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young played at Woodstock. Crosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, because I... <sighs> I hate Sid the kid so much. Just, and, and so, yeah. does that does that make Malkin Snoopy? No, I was going to say, does that make Colby Armstrong Snoopy? Colby mm. Armstrong is Snoopy. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, because you know, I could see him sitting on top of his house and and writing his memoirs about the time that he was a World War One flying ace and fighting the Red Baron. And, you know, he's just got a heart of gold, right? Yeah. Not saying that Sydney doesn't, because Woodstock's kind of the same way. But, you know, he's just, you know, he's just a little undersized yellow bird that sort of flies around and, you know, chirps at people and gets into adventures. Yeah. He's undersized just like several NHL goalies this season, too. All of 5'11". Oh, thank you for thank you for that transition, my friend. That was... <laughs> I've been off my game lately. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm getting out of my funk. That uh, that's that the transition epic. king. That was epic. The transition king. Yes, because the Carolina Hurricanes almost got goalied by um, a height impaired, a vertically challenged goaltender. Did they get goalied, or did they just shoot at his chest a lot? Um, you know, I always have this discussion, or I've always had this discussion with people. It's, um, it's such a tough one because sometimes it's all you have, right? You know, and you try and place it looking for a rebound, and if that guy is, 
you know, squared up and in position and swallows those, you can't do much with them. So, you know, oh, they just keep putting everything into his chest. Nice aim. No, these guys are paid professionals. They can generally aim fairly well. But if literally that's all they're given, sometimes you just got to hope one squeaks through, you know, the, the armpit or something. Unlike me in NHL, you know, like NHL 21 or 20 or something, I can't manually aim worth a damn like I used to be able to. So, yes, things tend to be like dead center on the net with me. But, you know, I think they kind of got a little goalied. Yeah, and in fairness to Soros, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't lights out because, I mean, he faced almost 30 more shots than the next closest goalie per game through the first round. Yeah, and, and they they reminded me it reminded me a little bit of what um, everyone accuses the Islanders of doing, right? Shoot all you want from, from outside the rectangle, right? You're not getting anything inside, you know, Inside home plate, so to speak. Except they sort of extended out to a rectangle. You're not getting anything outside. You're not getting anything inside this area. So have at it, you know. Shoot away. And the goaltender just sort of plays to that system. Okay, I know where everything's coming from. And it just they just make it a marsh pit to try and get through into those scoring positions. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, what the majority, the majority of goals that are scored are like what six inches off the ice or something, something stupid. So you get a shorter goalie, you have less of a five hole, <laughs> and usually they're a little bit quicker to get from one post to the other than the taller guys because taller guys like to be a little lazy because they feel like they don't have to be quick because they're tall. Um. So, you know. Well, when the top of the pads goes up to their armpits when they're crouched, I don't think anyone has more of a five hole than anyone else. I mean, that's, you know. Unless you're Carey Price. Because he's the exception (laughs) to the rule. Right? He's he's the exception to a lot of rules. He really is. Yeah. Like, Like, all the praise that he got over year in, year out should probably go to someone like UC Soros instead. Uh, and then he comes out and does this kind of stuff in the playoffs where it's like 90% he's, you know, unbeatable and then just these little these little fluff balls get in every once in a while and you're like, oh, there, okay, there's regular season carry price. Yeah. I mean, he his glove hand looks impressive when he is not screened and, you know, is basically standing. Yeah. <laughs> So you're saying, I think what you're saying is he's not um, athletic? No, what I'm saying is Toronto is not doing anything to actually try and score on him. Oh. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, I made it about the Leafs. (laughs) Which is is fine by me because the last, what, 12 hours or so, 13, 14 hours has, has just been... It's been so entertaining. It has been so wildly entertaining. 
Oh my goodness. Because you're not a fan? Uh, no. And, and, <laughs> and it just reminds me why I'm not anymore. I have so much more fun. I can jump into any series and, you know, I have some, I have some rooting interests. You know, a lot of it's just based on friendships and, and players I particularly like or teams that I particularly like. And, but at the end of the day, you know, I kind of feel like a broadcaster, you know. I just get to sit there and watch a great hockey game and have fun. You mean a broadcaster outside of Toronto? No. Chris Cuthbert's just awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> the excitement he had for the le- for Jason Beth- Spezza scoring was the same excitement he had for Jesperi Kotkaniemi scoring. Unless you ask the Toronto and Montreal fans, and then they give you differing opinions. Well, of course. Always. Like I always said, you know, I always do the, the I, I love the way that Craig Simpson would finish a game every night and do a couple of retreats where people were calling him a homer for either team. And I was like, well, oh, that's how you know he's right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to watch, like, <clears throat> on Twitter when a game's playing, like a playoff series in particular, and you're following fans from both teams, and they're both like, Fans from both both teams, like, oh, the refs are totally calling it against us, and I'm like, are they? Because you both are yeah. saying the same things. <laughs> Although, in in, in fairness, um, in the Nashville Carolina series, they did kind of have a beef. Um, but yeah, it just it just been entertaining. Playoff hockey without stakes is there's nothing better. Oh my God! No, it is. It, it's just. It, it is unbridled chaos. And you know, watching watching players, you know, without without their stick, you know, just throwing every body part they can to to break up a play or something, you know, stuff they'd not do in the regular season, right? Just because the stakes are so high for them, which is, you know, I just keep coming back to this, which is hysterical because they aren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yes, they could get a bonus if they win the Stanley Cup, but I, is is that bonus going to make or break them? You know, if you're making $10 million a year, I highly doubt your salary, your Stanley Cup bonus is $10 million. I know. At this point, it's it's the... <clears throat> the little boy and all of them wanting to get their name on the Stanley Cup. They don't care about money unless it's a contract year. <laughs> well, and th- and then they will have taken care of that during the regular season, right? In theory, yeah. <clears throat> unless your name is Seth Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, Pat. So- I laid it out there. I laid it out there, Pat. Come on. I laid it out there. <laughs> Let's say Tampa wins this series against Carolina. That's getting ready to start in about. So we are recording at. It is currently 4:20 Eastern Daylight Time. Nice. Thank you. Timing is everything, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the broadcast is set to begin at 5 p.m. Eastern. So I think we've got almost an hour before the puck actually drops. Carolina were to lose this series to Tampa, and let's say negotiations between a certain unrestricted right-handed free agent defenseman who likes to go to museums doesn't work out. 
Could we galaxy brain a Seth Jones to Carolina trade? So I- Just for the complaining. What do they need a defenseman for? Honestly, you should be traded to the Kings, but that's neither here nor there. I just want to have fun with this. I, if if there is an extension involved. Oh, see, here's the thing. I'm thinking this purely as a one-year rental before the cup window closes on this Canes team because they are reminding me a lot of the Winnipeg Jets circa three seasons ago. Oh, right at that precipice, but lose one or two players and it all. Yeah, where with the Jets, it was their forward talent. They had all the young defensemen, but their forward talents kind of getting up there. And then, you know, issues with Truba came up, et cetera, et cetera. Keynes, you can look at it the same way, but in reverse, where it's it's their defense they have to start worrying about. And I'm just wondering, could some three-way negotiations happen with Seattle as the intermediary? So he goes to Seattle, retains some salary. Seattle retains some salary and sends them to Carolina for some assets. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like it. And in Columbus, by this coming out now, it's going to drive down the cost, just like we saw in the Taylor Hall trade at the deadline this season. I was going to say spring. I think it was technically in spring. Time is an illusion. <laughs> So, so our friend Seth Jones has a modified no trade clause starting this season. He uh, can submit a list of ten teams he cannot be traded to. But that starts at whatever July first is this year, which I think twenty. Is- yeah. Well, no. It says it says starting twenty twenty one. Yeah. 2020 through twenty twenty one. So yeah. that would mean technically the first day of free agency. That's when saying. it would kick in because that's yeah. when the contract years in technically the league year doesn't change over. God, too many lawyers. But wait, so so that's that's what I'm looking at with this like wording starting 2020, starting 2021 season. season. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So didn't that kick in last summer? No, no, because 2020 season. Because it would be the first okay, okay, year okay, you're right. based on his age where he'd be eligible for unrestricted free agency his last deal bought one year yeah okay. so it's it's this it's the whatever it's july summer. 1st is this year yeah which is the 28th i think so yeah. if, which if is, columbus wants to like offload him onto anybody they can then they have to do that before july 1st yeah this season's yeah. july 1st yes right yep yeah, this well, that was thing stupid with, of him to mention that now. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this was strategic. This it was strategic, but it's also it, um, it is softening the ground for his reputation. Seattle? No, <laughs> no, it's softening the ground for his reputation. So you know, if if they're 
if he says it now and gets traded, it's a lot it's a lot easier on him in the media than if he doesn't say anything, tells them and tells them in private, doesn't say anything, you know, plays half a season and gets dealt because it starts coming out that he's not signing. You know, it's kind of the Tavarising, right? Right, right. Which I don't, you know, I don't know how much they really care about, but uh, you know, there's there's some there's some sort of I don't want to say responsibility, but there's some sort of pride of authorship, I guess I would say, for him. And no, I was when I saw that pop up, I was thinking, you know, hey, huh, leave him exposed. Seattle will take him in a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, they can negotiate an extension with him um, after that. But then I'm going, no. It's, you know, he's had a, he's had a kind of off couple of seasons. I think he's done in Columbus. I think Columbus needs to get something back for him other than cap space. You know, that's not true of every team who has problem players, so to speak, or guys that aren't going to resign. I'm looking at you, Washington. Um, well, we'll get to them in a moment. Yeah, but for for Columbus, they need to get something back in return. So, Mr. Carolina Hurricane, what are you sending in this three-way deal? Jake Bean. Okay. Vincent Trocheck. Ooh, that'll hurt. Okay. And a draft pick. Okay, what does Seattle get to keep as as the uh, as the money launderer? Well, he, here's the questionable thing. Seattle technically doesn't have to launder the money. Oh. They need to launder the player because you're not allowed to trade in division, and no matter how the league gets the realignment gets reset. Columbus and Carolina are destined to be in the same division. So they're going to pull a play out of the uh, the Sharks playbook here. Or they get Hoffman and then send him right over to Florida. Yeah, and just flip Francis a prospect that he likes, perhaps. Or potentially leaving a certain other player exposed. You know, uh, Warren Fogel, for example, who is an arbitration-eligible restricted free agent come the end of the season. Player drafted during Francis's regime, solid NHL full. He's a middle six guy, you know, at the height of his power, something like that. But I think you can pay an aggressive enough price without really damaging the team because, at the very least, one day, Martin HS will be a center in the league. That's what I was he, gonna say. He's yeah. going through the Tyler Sagan excel on the wing for a little bit. Then let's put your feet to the fire. They but what Columbus needs kinda... a scoring center, some young defensemen because they're. I mean, their defense is old. Even when you factor in, you know, Mister University of Michigan, who. Is going to have the same questions because he's going to be eligible for his contract soon too. 
Yeah. But I look at this as a player needs a team to elevate his. He he, he needs to do what Taylor Hall thought he was doing or tricked himself into doing by signing with Buffalo. Hey, I'm going to play with Jack Eichel. Seth Jones paired with Jacob Flavin. Let your imagination run wild. Because I, I go ahead, Cassie. So here's my question. In a three-team trade, modified no-trade clause, does that affect both trades? Does it affect one? Does it affect the whole damn thing? Does so, one get washed out and then the other applies? How does that work exactly? In this particular case, it would make zero difference because it's not been enacted. Right? right. It's not, it's not, he's not eligible. If they do this deal, if they do a deal like that before the season's July 1st, doesn't matter. This is and, just like the situation where PK Subban went from Montreal to Nashville right, right before July 1st when his deal came yeah. So, um, but to answer your question, it's completely up to the receiving teams and the players. My understanding is, is that if um, if you have a full no-move clause or a modified no-trade, um, they can come and ask you to waive it for one of those teams. They generally won't. Um, but say, say in a case that you do waive it to, you know, they, you, you put five teams on your no-trade list, and one of them's having just a banger year and they look like they're going to make a deep cup run and you want to go to that team and you say, I will waive it for this team only. And then you get to that team and they say, well, we were going to flip you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's up to the agents and the players to say whether that is still honored when they get to that new team. I think this came up with someone not too long ago. Um, but it was a case of a full no-move clause. They, they waived their full no-move clause and went to a team. And everyone assumed that that no-move clause was still in effect, but that player then got traded somewhere else. Because when he waived it, he basically waived it. Mm. Versus... Um, Versus saying I'll waive it for this transaction, right? So I, I think it really is just sort of an agreement, whether they honor it or not. So it applies if the player wants it to apply, basically. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the way it goes. Now the only thing that might muddy that is I believe in the CBA extension, this specific issue was addressed, and I think. The team and the player no longer have to negotiate. I'm, I'm going to have to go check with my CBA experts, oh. but I believe the clause now moves with you. Because once upon a time, it was once you waive it, it's gone for good. And then there was this, you know, several years, I think, since 2012, where exactly like you were describing, Patrick, it was just kind of this. He said, she said, who knows, so let's yeah. just come to an agreement. I forgot. 
I forgot I heard I completely spaced that I that there were rumblings about the no move no trade stuff in the way of CBA. And as you were talking, I was trying to find it. Someone has read resurrected generalfanager.com. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And I can't tell if this is a volleyball or a football site with hockey images. It's very strange. <laughs> it's everything. It's all seriously. <laughs> go to generalfanager.com right now and see what I'm talking about. So, but I, I look at it two ways. Where is Jones actually going to want to, like, who would the 10 teams on his no trade list be? Because I can't imagine Carolina for a season would be on it just because there's enough defensive talent to insulate him. Where he may have been overrated as a Norris candidate, in my opinion, but he's not as bad as his numbers suggest. I probably watched 15 of his games this season. He still has the physical attributes. He just has nothing around him to work with. Okay, so <clears throat> in looking at this, sorry, I'm going I'm to tap the brakes and come back to this. The clause can travel with a player if he consents to being traded. The acquiring team has to sign an addendum ensuring that the clause in, does travel with the player. Um, if the team refuses to sign the addendum, and the player still waves, that clause is then nullified. So it didn't look like it got updated. If the player is traded before the clause takes effect, the acquiring team can opt to void that clause. So here's some fun in this scenario, right? Because um, basically... Yeah, basically, P.K. Subban got traded before his clause took effect, right? Nashville could then say, nope, you're not getting your NMC, NTC, whatever it was with us. Because that, that clause was signed with your prior team. It doesn't apply to us. So if Seth gets traded before July 28th, um, whomever he lands with can go, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, no. <laughs> if we want to trade you after this, we'll trade you. Which is not the worst case scenario for him, given that he only has one year in term. And I think it'll be easier to trade him in the rather short offseason for, you know, basically a trade rental deal rather than try to negotiate an extension with him now. He could do what Tyson Berry couldn't do his single year in Toronto. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's very interesting because, like, I look at teams like Los Angeles, I look at teams like Ottawa, 
who should be in talking with Yarmo right now. How can we make this work? So they have assets. They have young players in the AHL. They have young forwards in the NHL. There's enough there to get a deal done, but they those are the two types of teams where they're going to want an extension before they do anything like this, and rightfully so. Who's willing to take a gamble on just a single year and whatever happens, happens? Which is why Doug Wilson will end up somehow acquiring him. Am I wrong in this? <laughs> Let's see. He's the exact, exact wrong player that San Jose needs. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm using a lot of logic, a lot of reasoning. I can put a call into Tulski, see if we can't make something work. If, you know, <laughs> I have no idea if the Hurricanes will or won't re-sign Hamilton. I really don't. It's a, it's a nice backup plan. Um, so it's clearly not going to happen. It's not Galaxy brain enough for the hockey men. Dougie's going to want to go to a place with more museums. Don't you, don't you diss the Rotter area? Our museum... What? Our, our museum, our the North Carolina Museum Mart is very lovely. Um, natural history, natural science museum. We've got some low key cool ones. Um, we even get a good traveling exhibit or two. Hmm. I just. For gits and shiggles, I went up to Cap Friendly and uh, went to the buyout calculator and decided to buy out Connor McDavid. Just literally for gits and shiggles. <laughs> he would come off the books in the 2030-31 season. 2030-31 season, he would finally come off the books. His, wow. cap, his cap hit for the first three years, even after buyout, would be $11.8 million. Then it falls to $9.8 million in the 2025-2026 season. And then it drops to three hundred k, you know, basically in perpetuity. So the savings for the first three years of buying him out would literally be like $700,000. That was just, that was just gits and shiggles. And Bobby Benia, is he still collecting a check or not? I think he finally came off the books this year. Because I, 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 I want to say I saw someone post... Um, uh, somebody had like a like a countdown clock, kind of like they did with Rick DiPietro. <laughs> mm. Poor DiPietro. I know that poor kid. Just made out of spun glass. Uh, you know, and the people that are saying they should buy out Koskinen. No, he's, that's not the issue. Uh, no, I. I, I get why you want to say that, but he's on the books for one more year. Eat it exactly, because otherwise, exactly. otherwise you're 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 putting a million five on your cap for the next two. Eat them, bury them in the miners. Okay, I just checked. 
Bobby Bonilla Day, which is July 1st every year, will yeah. continue through 2035. Oh! <laughs> so maybe, just maybe, a Sergei Bobrovsky buyout will end after that date. <clears throat> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. But let me tell you, Alex Salmon is all... <laughs> What glorious GM did that? that? That's what I want to know. Is he still in the NHL? Will he hire me <laughs> for obscene amounts of money and buy me out too? Uh, no. Oh, Here's the, it was... No. Bobrovsky would come off the books before Bonilla. He it's would amazing. be done in the 2030-31 season as well. <sighs> and he would cost you 1.8 for the last six or five years. And Bonilla is only costing the New York Mets $1.2 million a year. Good God. Ugh. I cannot believe that contract. Oh, my God. But, hey, Alex Semin is officially off the books for the Hurricanes. So. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Now, speaking of all these buyouts, Uh-oh. Washington Capitals. other than dealing with a player that they should probably just let Seattle acquire which they won't and Kuznetsov uh, they should probably exercise one or two of those Since I am here, let's take a look at something here really quick. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a subject. Um, Let's see here. Oh, boy, are the Capitals um, in tough. Let's put it that way. Mm Mm-hmm. So they are right bang up on the cap. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be pretty right bang up on the cap next year after they sign um, the Russian machine. And the question is, do they sign the, does he take a haircut off his nine million, nine and a half? Or does he go year to year at nine and then start winding down? That aside, they are in very deep hot water. Considering they have to re-sign Ovechkin next year? Well, even beyond that, they are... Well, I mean, that's the... I know, even if you take him out of the equation, it's they, they are still in, like, bad shape. On, yeah, they're but on. Then the books. he he makes it like insanity. Because uh, they have uh, to account for that contract. So there isn't, Patrick. You're staring at this too. But would you say that there isn't exactly one terrible, like gross contract staring at you? But it's death by a thousand cuts. You know, that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking. Um. You know, we're both sort of sitting here staring at the cap-friendly chart, and I'm going nine-two for Backstrom for the next four years. Yeah, okay. You know, I get it. 
TJ Oshie at five and three quarters for the next four years, that's a pretty good deal. Anthony Mantha at five seven seems high. Tom Wilson at five one, you know, that's fine. Lars Eller at three for the next three or next two. Haglin, Hathaway are all on pretty good deals. And they're all going to be UFAs at the time that's up, so they have no problem. You know, they can walk from any one of those deals. My concern is I don't see a lot of RFAs sitting out here, which means, which tells me there ain't a lot of kids. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When Anthony Mansa is your youngest player of consequence at yep. 26, will be 27 at the start of next season. You know, it's it's this is Sharks territory we're looking at. Yeah, scroll down the page a little bit further down to non-roster. Oh, yeah, the, yes. Yeah, the, they've gotten a system. There's still a ton of UFAs down there. But I mean, those are, you know, you've got some you've got some aging out minor leaguers, right? There's right. a lot of late 20s, mid mid to late 20 guys there that haven't broke. So I'm I I will firmly hold into this that if they are smart, if they are smart, they expose Kuznetsov. They expose him and let Seattle take him. You don't I don't think you'll need to sweeten the pot. You know, I don't think they'll need to do what what Florida or or Pittsburgh did. You know, hey, if you take Marc Andre Fleury off our hands, we'll give you a little sugar. I don't think they'll need to do that. Um, does do, another 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 no move clause lim, or no trade clause question with Kuznetsov <laughs> expansion being left out for the expansion draft not covered as part of no trade clauses correct it's okay, only cause... it's only full no move clauses that you have to get waiver um, for a player Permission. to be exposed. Yep. Right. Um, because he has a modified no trade clause, 15, team, 15 no team trade lists right now. Yeah. Does not apply. Yep. Yeah, that's one thing I think they changed. That is, I think one thing they did change with this, because um, wasn't, Weren't modified no trades honored for Vegas? No, they no. weren't. Okay, no, it was, full. It was, it was only, only full. Okay, but agents and players did have some question marks about it, and now all those players who were you know kicking up a you know a storm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to end up going to Vegas, or wondering why didn't I go to Vegas? I might be able to score a goal for them. Yeah, seriously. Although they looked fine in the game seven. Funny, you get your best goal scorer back in the lineup and suddenly they can score goals, whether he contributed or not. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? Um, so strange. Yeah, boy, they need to they need to expose Kuznetsov and free up that seven and a half and and go go try and make a deal with someone, but I don't know what they're gonna deal with. No, unless they want to continue to kick the can down the road, because they've already got holes in their draft picks. No first round this year. No second round. Ne- no first and third this year. No second next year. And I'm not one to 
say Ron Francis is a petty man. Because I really don't. <laughs> I, can see, nice intro. I, I can see Kuznetsov as not the type of player he would want to select for this team. Yes, he has certain salary ob- obligations that he has to meet. I think he would need a sweetener to take that after, you know, a certain GM wouldn't trade him Philip Grubauer because they were in the same division once upon a time. Oh. Just saying. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even remember if Francis was on the job at that point, but it's a fun story. You take a third for that. Hey, you know what? You know what my favorite cat friendly page is right now? The Kraken. <laughs> oh god. Non roster. Luke Henman. He's an oh, baby giraffe himself. Projected cap space for the next oh six years. Eighty one point five million for the Kraken. Mm-hmm. It looks like they got all their draft picks too. Mm-hmm. Um Weird. Yeah, I know, isn't that funny how that happens? Might as well might as well look at it and enjoy it while it lasts because it won't well, be. Well, yeah, long. they have the the draft lottery is uh, in three days. They have the countdown going on in the front page. Oh, God, that's right. <sighs> yeah, and what a year to win the lottery and not, you know. God, I just, so many of, so many of my friends that are Sharks fans are just like, yeah, we're going to get a high draft pick. And I'm like, okay. Good luck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Simpsons memes. Think of all the Simpsons memes. Wow, what a year to have that one happen to you, huh? Because mm-hmm. Mark Lowe's done so well with your high draft picks previously. And it's in a year... Someone to trade. Yeah, in a, in a year where it's a complete crapshoot, have fun. <laughs> it's someone to trade, because God knows they're not going to develop them. Oh, oh, wait, did I say that one out loud? You did. God damn it. Keep doing that. Um, let's see here. I am still going to. I'm still going to beat this drum. I it. So we're recording this as 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 Mr. Pat said at uh, Sunday. It's no longer 4:20 Eastern. It is, but it is uh one one fifty one Pacific. Um, <laughs> Time travel. Yeah, exactly. Um, as of as of uh, tomorrow evening, before this podcast come out, we might as well pre-record our responses to the um, to the Leafs and Habs. And either way, my response is going to be. <laughs> so there's my response. Um, <laughs> that's it. Goes both ways, right? Either side. Either side. But uh... well, I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be a letdown. Whatever team, whichever team wins, is going to be playing Winnipeg, and that's not going to be nearly as fun as as this series has been. Oh, <laughs> this series has been fun simply for the Schadenfreude for both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, that's I, I what get I'm what you're saying. About, yeah. Well, I think it'll. <laughs> I actually think it'll carry over into Winnipeg, except it'll just be Schadenfreude on one side because the exactly because, yeah because Winnipeg is Winnipeg is a team that will goalie you to death if Hellebuck stays like Hellebuck's been playing. Oh yeah, the frustration level is just going to be through the roof. But um, potential fallout. 
if Montreal wins, is it status quo? Do they do they treat this like house money? I think Even so. getting to seven? I think so. And they and they just say, hey, you know what? Kotkaniemi kind of found some games. Suzuki's look good. I think we're okay. You know, we weren't we weren't really expecting to be here. We had fun. We you know we battled. We learned. Now we know on the other side what's going to happen. Should they lose? Um, cats are cats. living together. <laughs> Sky is falling. Burning hail. Every one of uh, Ming the Merciless's torture or, or um, uh, things. The, the noise of, of panic and divesting and and finger pointing is going to overwhelm all of Canada so that they're barely going to hear about Winnipeg and Montreal playing together. <laughs> Every, At least everything games one through three. <laughs> yeah, everything will be just a just a um, that you know like 60, 60 hertz hum of just Toronto. You know, that's going to drown out everything else. Mm-hmm. I still hold fast, even though he's had a bad playoff. Mitch Marner is immune. Austin Matthews is immune. William Nylander has been the only one scoring with any frequency is going to get lambasted and run out of town. And Pat, do you know why? No, why don't you tell me the goaltender interference penalty he took in game six, which led to the chain of events where Montreal scored those two goals. Now we won't deal with logic that says in the end, it didn't matter because Toronto came back and scored two goals. But the galaxy branding will say if, you know, it's like seconds from disaster. If that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have had to come back and we probably would have won. They I mean, failed. ignoring the puck over the glass to make it a five on three. Yeah, math well, checks out. The, the puck on the glass came on. The penalty kill. Which was from the panel. You know what I'm saying? It's seconds, I, yeah. It's seconds from disaster. One event. He's already the designated done. scapegoat, so they're just going right. to keep scapegoating the designated scapegoat. Even though I, I loved the tweet I saw, the the guy who who is just something I can do, but I don't do because I don't want to make too many enemies online. That Mr. Booth from Vancouver oh. posted. Posted the, fi- you know what I'm talking about, Pat? The, like, oh, yeah. Like the five second video, you know, here are the highlights of Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner in the playoffs. And then, like, the next frame, it says thank you because there's been <laughs> nothing. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, they're immune, you know? They're immune, and it's because of their price tags. So. I, I, well, Mitch Marner is immune this season, but once they get rid of Nylander, then he won't be. He'll be the oh, next. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is because what are we at? How many days until the draft? It's we're almost at fifty. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. It, I know we're sub sixty for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know. I'll, I'll take Goudreau and and Martin Nylander and Kuznetsov as my top line in Seattle. Okay. You know? 
because I've I've had this discussion with a few people, and I know we've talked about it here. Finding trades for these kind of contracts is going to be nigh on impossible because of a flat cap. The teams cap. that would take them are already at the cap, and the teams yeah. that won't take them are not smart enough to. <laughs> and and if if you're looking to trade for Johnny Goudreau, you have to give up somebody like Johnny Goudreau, and how is that making your team better? Mm-hmm. Or if you're riding, if you're riding the cap and you want to trade for him, how do you clear cap space? You know, there's cap space. These next three years is going to be king. Mm-hmm. And I will not agree with Mr. Burke very often. Um, Mr. Brian Burke very often when it comes to matters of hockey, I'll agree with him just about every other way, except the way he wears his tie, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, I I wouldn't have a problem with teams trading cap space for a season. Absolutely not. You know, you don't have to give up any assets. I'll just allow you to have $3 million in my cap space for that lovely second round draft pick you have. Mm-hmm. And it's just for that one season. So, anyway. I, I don't know. I... I have a very, 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 I just, I've had it from day one when the pandemic started and they were talking about cap implications, blah, blah, blah. I've got a real weird feeling that there's going to be a couple of names that are exposed that people are going to be like, what the hell? Couldn't they have traded that person? Yes, they could have. Find a partner that has the space to do it. And then it's going to be equally as funny when they go unselected for some unforeseen reason. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you made your bed, now you lie in it. Yeah. Oh, like vindictive. Vindictive crap. And, and I'm only thinking of at least four teams and particular players in, the, in my mind at this moment. <laughs> only? Only, you know, I've actually been watching games. I haven't been looking at, I did, I did have my nine year, almost nine year old. Um, he had a day off of school cause he had to do some testing. And I let him do the Seattle, uh, expansion draft simulator on cap friendly. And, um, he could be qualified to be an NHL GM based on what they did against Vegas. I mean, let's be honest, most, most people can. <laughs> you don't even oh, have to be a hockey fan. <laughs> you just uh, have to understand, like, how, understand the rules. Anyone can be a GM. <laughs> it's, July is going to be uh, an extremely fun month. Chaos will ensue, and I look forward to it. Okay, let's pull a shoot on this because I'm just going to have too much fun. I'm going to end up like uh, that. God, I can never remember his name. Um, the meme everyone from It's Sunny in Philadelphia. Or, Charlie. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, that, that's the joke I was making to you, Pat. Is I, we're going to need a bunch of thumbtacks, some some pictures, and some twine. Oh, I, oh, oh, I knew. I just yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't acknowledge it at the time. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But little hats are much easier. They really are. 
But they don't go well with a white that white and blue suit. You you need a darker hat. Or white um, hat. White hat would have gone with that just fine. Um, the strings. Mylar. From yesterday. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> the pretty flowers. So what you're saying is we should airbrush the tin foil to get it to be the appropriate color. Yeah. All right, so July, fun and chaos, and probably what will be the weirdest entry draft in the history of NHL entry drafts. Let me pose this question to you. Look into your crystal balls, look into the future, and tell me. Will the 2021 NHL draft class be better than the 2012 class? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.